Hello everyone, this is Jerome. I serve as a community pastor here at First Christian Church. Welcome to our brand new podcast. I'm so glad that we get to serve you today through this message. God bless you. Let's get into the word. Trust and obey. I heard one amen, which is uh, indicative of the fact that we talk about trusting and obeying as Christians. But they're the two things that if we were really, really honest about it, we could probably say we hardly ever do. (laughs) Or we do at least part of the time. Or we're growing and we're trying to get better at trusting, obeying. Anybody out there trying to get better at trusting and obeying? Right on. It's not easy. Uh, Had a, I was trying to think of, what big thing in my life that I could share with you that is all about trusting and obeying? And uh, I came up with something that's, that's not necessarily easy to talk about. And I'm sure a lot of you would come up with something similar. Um, <clears throat> in uh, the early part of this century... We, had, we were still living in Taiwan, and um, this little Taiwanese girl um, entered into our lives, and we were helping her parents sign over their parental rights at the U.S. consulate so that she could become a ward of our church's Christian orphanage on Taiwan. And she had been neglected, abused, now she was being sort of abandoned by her parents. Two years old. And uh, Kathy and I were asked to help with this process and help translate for them at the consulate. So we did. And um, during the course of that week, we learned that it would be really easy for us to adopt her. And so the wheels were set in motion And my whole family, my wife and my three boys, were all in favor of this idea, but I was not. And I thought, my boys are older. I do not want to start the diaper bag car seat thing all over again. Been there, done that. Um, Life is, you know, sort of cruising on, and this would just, you know, a hundred reasons not to do this, not to adopt this little girl, and they were all about me. Toward the end of that week, and I'll never forget this, on a Saturday morning, I remember exactly where I was, and I was fighting with God and agonizing and rehearsing all the reasons why my family should not adopt this little girl. And all of the sudden, I heard, and when we say we hear a lot of times, We don't mean with our ears. We mean there's this strong impression. And these words hit me like a ton of bricks. Foreman, you just need to trust me on this. Like out of the blue. And so I knew at that instant that that was the voice of God. And and for me, I had to make a decision about trusting and obeying. And... That was it, and I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. So, but I'm telling you that 
not every time that you become aware of God's will and you make a decision to obey, does that mean that it's just going to be easy, hunky-dory, and peaches and cream and a bed of roses? It's not. And my, our daughter, Jenna, would agree with this statement that it's not been an easy thing for us. It's been challenging, um, lots of baggage even at two years old, uh, and it's been a challenging thing. And so um, I love her, <clears throat> we love her, she loves us, but there's still growing to do in our relationship, and we can probably say that even about all of our biological children as well, right? Um, so, you know, I, and I'm, I'm a dad, okay? Any dads have little girls? So there's an intensified something in that relationship, and um, you do not ever want to mess with my daughter. Because if you get past me, then you have her three older brothers to deal with. And I guarantee you, they will take you out. And I have threatened to dismember several young men who I didn't like. And um, I probably will never get over that. <clears throat> Challenging to trust and obey. Another area of my life is uh, this whole thing of letting go of my money. And I've said it before, I'm going to go ahead and say it again, and you guys can just deal with it. Of course, a lot of what you hear me say, you just have to deal with, right? Um, that for an American Christian, oftentimes the single area in our lives that we have to trust God about is giving. Honestly, we don't face too many other challenges in our lives where our faith is costing us anything as American Christians. I believe the day is coming for us, and so as your pastor, I think part of my discipling responsibility with you is to warn you that the day is coming when it's probably not going to be too easy to live out your faith in this country. And in many ways, it is upon us now. And I would suggest to you that if you can't let go of your money and trust God, you're not going to make it when you're really tested in your faith in trusting and obeying. So I would encourage you to consider that. Now, I looked at what I give, and it's been growing ever since I was young, and so um, I'm not going to give you any specific numbers because that's none of your business. It's between me and God as your giving is your business, it's between you and God. But I will tell you that even though nobody else knows, guess who does know? God. Yeah, he does. He knows how much you're trusting him with your money. And so um, my giving right now is close to, I think, 17, somewhere between 17 and 19 percent of my income. And that's been something that has grown. And a few years ago, I decided, you know what, I just need to make this automatic so that on the 1st and the 15th, I don't have to sit down and make that hard swallow and write out my tithe check. It's just going to happen automatically because I've let go of that. And <clears throat> I, I was looking at that, thinking about that the other day, and I thought, wow, 
Think of all the cool stuff I could have with that money. All the man toys, you know. And, uh, but I, I'm telling you, at this point in my life, I would not trade being a shareholder in the kingdom of heaven for anything that this world has to offer. And when you give to God, you're buying stock in the kingdom of God. And you're saying, I believe in this company. I want a piece of this action. I want to feel like I'm a part of the good things that are happening for the kingdom of God that my church is doing, that I see Jesus doing in the world. Right on? All right. There's an old hymn called Trust and Obey. Anybody remember that one? Yeah, some of you have never even heard of this hymn. Um, We don't have our hymnals around anymore, but I did find one in... Sandy's office, my assistant, I stole her hymnal. I found this old hymn. The first verse goes like this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, hmm, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Hmm. Man, I believe that that song captured an amazing truth. I hope that um, that truth just burrows its way into our heart this morning as we look at how Jesus obeyed. Let's pray. Lord, um, this is a tough one. It has become sort of Sunday school talk for a lot of us. And uh, we need to start putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And really trust you for the hard things in life. And obey you even when it goes against the grain of our flesh and what we would rather do. Help us to see a glimpse of the other side of trusting and obeying. Lord, this morning, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So our story this morning is weird. And it's not really a story. It comes from three different statements that Jesus made about himself. One of those is a prayer. And the first one is from John chapter 5, verse 30. And the context of all of these is Jesus sort of defending himself and explaining who he is and what he's up to with his generation. And in John chapter 5, verse 30, a conclusion statement that he makes in that passage is this. He says, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just because I do not seek to please myself, but him who sent me. Wow. A lot in that statement. The next verse is from John chapter 8. And it's interesting to me that John is the only one that captures these statements. And there was something about his relationship with Jesus as his best friend where he saw some things about his best friend 
that he knew this is what makes him tick. And he included it in his book that's called The Good News About Jesus According to John. And in chapter 8, verse 29, Jesus said, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases Him. Oh my goodness. How cool would it be to be able to say that about ourselves? That we always do what pleases Him. This third place is from Jesus' prayer the night before He was crucified that Jerome talked to us about two weeks ago. And in this prayer, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Luke, Dr. Luke, tells us that Jesus experienced this physical phenomenon where he was in such anguish that he actually sweat drops of blood. During this time where he is agonizing in prayer with the Father, and he pours out his heart, and he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. And we've learned that cup, in Hebrew culture, is a metaphor for suffering. Okay? Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. This thing in my life that is full of suffering, yet not my will, but yours be done. Wow. If there is a model prayer for us, when we're talking about trusting and obeying, like Jerome talked to us, so earnestly about this is it. So, and then there's a statement by the Apostle Paul to Christians from the book of Ephesians, and it goes like this. You were once darkness. Could anybody raise their hand and say, that was me. Paul is talking about me. You were once darkness. But, praise God for buts in statements like that, right? Now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. The fruit of life consists in all goodness righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Two commands there. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Wow. Alright, let's, let's go over those again real quick. And there's a little summary in your message notes in this thing that you got on your way in. How did Jesus obey? In other words, what, how, how can we characterize Jesus' obedience? Let's just go back to John 5.30 where he said, By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself but Him who sent me. How did Jesus obey? He didn't just please Himself. What a novel thought. You know, we are in the habit of pleasing ourselves, of surrendering to our flesh. You don't have to 
You know, the Bible, in, especially in the book of Romans and the book of Galatians, talks about this struggle between the flesh and the spirit, right? Here's one thing I've discovered. Maybe you've discovered this too. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard thing to, to figure out, and I'm being sarcastic, and here it is. You never have to encourage your flesh or jumpstart your flesh and say, come on, come on flesh, get going. I know you can do it. I mean, it's ready at the instant to do whatever it wants, right? You never have to give your flesh encouragement to do its thing. But you do have to encourage your willingness to submit to the Spirit of God within you. You know, Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5. So that's our, that's our effort is subduing our flesh, submitting to the Spirit. Jesus said, I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. Wow. Is that possible? I mean, we fail every day at that. A lot of us. But could we not make that our life goal? Lord, I want to do this. To seek not to please myself, but You in everything. I think that's what a follower of Jesus strives for. How else did Jesus obey? In John 8.29, let's look at that one again. He said, the one who sent me... Now, in, in John 5.30... He said, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me, right? And then in this one, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. It's like there's this close connection between Jesus and the Father because Jesus is intent on always doing what pleases the Father. The converse of that is also true, and we all feel it, don't we? That when we don't do what pleases the Lord, there's a disconnect in our relationship with Him. Just like that. We feel it. When you're used to, and you've experienced closeness with God, when this separation and this distance happens, it's awful. It's like, wow, I do not want to live in that at all. I remember how horrible it was now that I've entered into the light, when I approach the darkness again, it is even intensified. I'm even more aware of that. And you guys know what I'm talking about? And it's, listen to that warning, that distance, that separation is horrible between us and the Father. Listen to that little feeling of angst. It's a warning that we do not want separation with the Lord. He surrendered His will to God's will in this prayer in the garden. Father, if it is Your will. He's just being completely transparent. Lord, I know what's ahead. If it's Your will, let this cup pass from me. And then here's the moment of truth. This, as Jerome called it, the nevertheless moment. And Jesus said, yet, but not my will, but yours be done. That is the moment of truth when we're able to say, God, here's what I want. I'm asking you. And However, 
at the, at the end of the day, not my will, but yours be done. If we can get to that place. That's how Jesus obeyed. He didn't just please Himself. He always did what pleases the Father. He surrendered His will to God. And there's a little place in the book of Hebrews that teaches us a little other nugget. It's not what Jesus said, but it says that He learned obedience through suffering. Though He was a son, this is talking about Jesus, He learned obedience from what He suffered. Very interesting. The theology of suffering, in, especially in the New Testament. And we're not going to, this is a completely different sermon, but I will put in this little commercial plug that if all you have is a theology of healing, you will miss the very, very evident theology of suffering that is in the teaching of the New Testament. And that sometimes God has a greater purpose in mind than healing and smooth sailing for us. And that oftentimes this is an area of submission for the Christian to be willing to allow God to do His thing that He has determined He cannot do in any other way than in taking us through the rough water. Right on. So how do we obey? We've seen how Jesus obeyed. How do we obey? And I want to submit to you that there are some nuggets of truth in this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul identifies uh, the, the Christians in Ephesus. And you can read the background to how these people came to the Lord in the book of Acts. It's really interesting. Uh, the Ephesians were absolute, complete, decadent pagans. They worshipped the goddess Artemis. And there was a giant idol to Artemis in their city. The Apostle Paul showed up and he was preaching the truth to these people. There was a riot. I mean, everything went south. But out of this came a revival that is sometimes referred to as the Ephesian revival, where many people in Ephesus were convicted by the truth of the gospel message they heard from the Apostle Paul and his companions, and they brought their occult literature, their dark magic scrolls, their writings to a place in the city where they had created a giant bonfire and they burned those things right in front of God and everyone. And there was a massive revival where many Ephesians turned to Jesus Christ. And so Paul knows this about their history and, and he's looking at them and in a way that God has blessed me to be able to look at many of you and say, because I've known you when you were in darkness and I've seen you come out of the darkness into His marvelous light so that you can proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. And I look at you and I say, once you were darkness. 
Dale and I were talking about that yesterday. We were on a job for an elderly lady in our church, and Anthony Shokowitz called, and he prayed for us over the phone as we were working. And I said, Dale, man, that was a cool moment for me because I remember when I first met the two of you in Florence North as you were coming out of darkness. And now look at all that God has done in your life. And the Apostle Paul felt that same way about the Ephesian Christians. He said, you were once darkness. Remember how dark it was? But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And here's what that's all about. The fruit of light, the the evidence, the characteristics of light is everything that is all about goodness, righteousness, and truth. And here's your daily task on top of all that. Find out what pleases the Lord. That's on you. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want the light? Okay, well find out what pleases the Lord. That's our daily task of following Him. Hmm. What's God saying to you right now through these examples of how Jesus obeyed and how we are called to obey? This whole thing of trusting and obeying Do you have a personal story of how you are trusting and obeying God in your life? Or maybe vulnerably sharing with us so we can pray with you about how He wants you to start trusting and obeying Him. Anybody? What is God saying? Let's share with each other as we have become accustomed to doing on Sunday mornings. There's a mic over here and a mic over here. What is God... How is He applying truth of these scriptures to you. Jerome. Um, <clears throat> I, was, I was just listening to you talk about that, that scripture in Ephesians, and this isn't necessarily personal, but it, it should resonate with all of us, is that God wants us to obey him. He wants us to be these, these children of light um, and do what pleases the Father. And so I was thinking about um, what Adam was praying about the things that are going on in Afghanistan and the things that are going on in Haiti and so much hurt that's in the world, so much pain that's just up the street from us, so much pain that is even in this room, in this space. And I just felt like the Spirit of God is, is saying that there would be a lot less pain if my children of light would just obey me. Mm. And, and he said it's, it's kind of been that way ever since Adam, that our lack of obedience breeds this pain and, and helps this suffering and things to continue. But if we would just really embrace the challenge of obeying him, then we would see a lot less hurt in the world because he would be 
imploring us to do that hard thing and adopting the two-year-old that we don't want to because of an inconvenience or making amends in those relationships that have hurt us or embracing people that don't look like us or spreading the gospel at your job or at your school and all those things are a result of obedience and I, I just feel like we need to really not just hear this but do this amen thank you Jerome the pain in our world is because of human disobedience there's a there's a trickle down from every act of disobedience but then there's a trickle up from every act of obedience. Um, like, <clears throat> I stood up here a couple weeks ago talking about my marriage, and um, one of the things that the Lord has been working on me is I've also been struggling with a lot of stomach issues. And I was kind of having a moment with him the other day, and I was praying, and he said to me, why do you keep asking me to make your husband love you when you have my love. He doesn't have mine. And the only way he's gonna get it is through you. And I was like, man, why do you always have to make me be the one? Um, but I really also believe that some of the stomach issues I've been having and asking for healing and asking him to heal me, he's kind of not doing it because I feel like it's part of disobedience in a sense because I have been having lots of anger towards my husband and it's affecting me through my body. And because of that, he's like, when you give up control and when you let God do what he needs to do in your life, then other things will fall into place. But right now I'm holding on so tightly that it's making me sick, if that makes any sense. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And I just, I, I don't want to pray for healing anymore. I want to pray for God to make me where he wants me to be. And if that means I have to struggle then that's what it is, so. Wow. Um, hang on just a minute, Chris. Uh, what you all witnessed just now, family, is called vulnerability with a capital V. In fact, all caps and bold face. So what I want to encourage you in, Blake, and um, Jesse, if he's listening, is that this is a safe place. There is no judgment here. Okay, so next week when you see them together, don't be, you hear what I'm saying? Okay, because there's not a one of us that could not say, yes, we have been there, and maybe we are there. So thank you for that complete honesty, Blake, and we love you, and we love Jesse, and... We, um, you know, we get through this stuff together or we don't get through it. Right on? Right on. Okay. Brother Chris. Trust and obey. Uh, the main thing that hit me about trust and obey is I learned a long time ago that when we work, God rests. When we rest, God works. And that comes with trusting and obeying. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Well, you got to trust that because a lot of us give God something and then when it ain't turning out the way we want it, we go back and get it. Well, I'll just do this. Yeah. Well, you ain't trusting and obeying them. You got to give it all to them, everything, finance, relationships, peace of mind, love, 
whatever. You got to give it all to him and let him do it in his timing, in his perfect timing. Because a lot of us, me, myself, get impatient sometimes. But when I get impatient, I know that it's time for me to continue to lean on God and continue to trust in God. But it's not easy. It's a process. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been going through it for almost 30 years, and I still ain't where I want to be, but I'm a lot farther than where I was. Amen. So that's always good. Yeah. Right on. Thank that's you, Chris. It. Wow, that's how, how true is that? Lord, I give this problem to you. Lord, I don't like how you're handling this problem. You're taking it back. <laughs> and then we just make it worse than it was. John. How are you and Chuck? Hey, family. Um, <clears throat> trusting and obeying, right? Uh, I just went through a, a huge situation, right? God has continued to bless me since I've been out of prison and uh, started to gain things, my fi- uh, financial stability. Uh, I got a great career now where I'm able to glorify God and help those who've also been in prison and, and are dealing with addiction. I got married and I have twins on the way now, right? And so, well, April, at the end of April, I got married April 10th. At the end of April, uh, I had uh, some old charges come back for like seven years ago almost. And uh, so I thought I was going to be going back to prison. And so I was wrestling with God and I was thinking about that. And I was like, God, after everything you've brought me to, I'm going to lose it all. That's what I was thinking at. And I was starting to uh, almost despair in that for like, you know, a couple days. And then uh, as I'm praying with God, I, I got the resolution. I was like, maybe there's people in prison that I still need to reach. You know I mean, maybe there's still people that I need help in there that I can't help while I'm out here. And so no matter where I'm at, I need to be serving God. No matter what my situation is, I need to glorify and trust in him. And so uh, I started trusting him. And uh, just said, Lord, whatever happens, I I'm, I'm know that it's going to work out for our good and for your glory, and that everything's going to be okay. My wife's going to be okay, my kids, everything, right? And so uh, then I got a plea deal, which was probation available, and I was super excited about that. And I said, cool, God, you showed up. And then another court case came up from the same county, and so and that one had priors. And I'm, so I really thought I was going back, but I still had peace in it because uh, John 16.33 says, I have spoken these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. No matter what's going on, we can have peace in Christ because we're all going to go through things. We're all going to suffer. We're all going to have to deny our flesh and trust and obey God. But we can have peace no matter what because we have this promise of salvation, not of a blessed life, but of salvation from him who cannot lie. And so, but ended up that they dropped that second case, and I got probation coming anyways. You know what I mean? But no matter what was happening, I had decided to trust and obey him that I was going to do the will of the Lord no matter where I was at. So, but and he showed up and showed up, Amen. though. So praise yeah. the Lord. Way to go, John. And uh, John, Brother John, thank you so much, brother, for not in that moment of anxiety for not giving up and just throwing in the towel. We know yeah. how hard that is. And we've seen it happen before when the avalanche of the past starts coming back and it's kind of like, well, screw this, I tried, but, you know, and then we kind of go back to that old dark way. Thank you, thank you, thank you for not. We love you, we support you, we're here for you. Just hang in there and do not give up, right? Do not grow weary in doing the right thing, for you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. That's right. Brother Mark. 
Well, as Paul says, I have learned to be content in whatever situation I am in. Joe and I have been struggling a lot with my health, um, and I've been praying a lot for the Lord to show me how to serve him um, and to give more than what I am. And we have, I have family that I've been estranged with, and so we're reaching out to them and trying to make connection. And I went yesterday and saw my brother and my sister who despises me. <laughs> and uh, I took Richie to the grocery store and, and bought him $80 worth of groceries and took it back to he and my sister's apartment. And uh, we didn't have that money to give, but we did it because we serve in the Lord. We want to love the Lord, and we want to show an example to Richie and Gina who are in the thralls of, <clears throat> excuse me, drug addiction. And I have cut all of that away from my life since I've been home because I didn't trust it. Mm. Now I do. I'm, I'm solid in my faith. I'm solid on our walk that drugs no longer have a hold over me, which they certainly did for many, many years. Um, and as all of you can see, as when we came home, how my life has just been blessed just beyond comprehension yeah. Yeah. to us. And so we are just grateful and still our prayer is to make us a better and to show us how to serve. Mm. So we're looking for that right now between fighting this health and doing that, but we want to serve somehow. Thank you, Chuck. Mark, would you come up here so we can pray <laughs> for you? Yeah. Um, Everybody stand up Let's, like you mean it. I know you do. And let's pray for Mark. This is Mark Hampton. And uh, Mark uh, went through Alongside Ministries years ago, and he's just stuck around and gotten plugged in here. And this is family. Let's pray for Mark and his, his health. He's, uh, he needs strength. He needs some meat on his bones because I can feel all of them right here. Lord, we, we thank you for Mark and Joanne and their love for you, the testimony of their lives, the testimony of the business that you've given them and the lives that you touch. And we ask for your mercy and healing. We understand the theology of suffering, but we also pour our hearts out to you and ask that, that you heal, that you relieve Mark from this suffering. We believe that, we believe he's learned the lessons of suffering already, Father. And we ask that in this case, you would honor yourself by restoring his health and lifting him out of this. As, as his brothers and sisters, as your children together, we come before your throne. We ask you to wash over him with your miraculous healing. And we will give you all the praise and honor and glory for this outcome. And we pray this together in faith, calling upon your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. As we continue to praise the Lord. We're going to sing a song together. Um, you're just going to have to stand back up. So, um, 
this is a time to respond. If you feel like you need to come up front and pray, if you need to bring somebody with you, we will meet you, or however you want to respond to the story and to God's Word right now and what He's telling you. This is, this is our time. It's not just another song, but we want to really be in this moment together and with the Lord. Thank you all.